Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Some say that the greatest miracle Jesus Christ ever performed was having 12 close friends in his 30s. Can I get a good amen? And friendship is difficult. It is hard to make friends the older you get. But if you want to be like Jesus, you need to understand friendship. Let me share some scriptures that explain this. Because Jesus talks about friendship quite a bit in the scriptures. In John 15, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my, mo- my father I have made known to you. Friendship. Luke 7. The son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. This was something they were attacking Jesus with. They were saying some insults, but it's actually kind of a compliment. And you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Everybody say friend. 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 John 15, Jesus says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one. Say it with me. Friends. So important. So Jesus is called in these scriptures the friend of sinners. Jesus calls his disciples friends. Jesus says there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for friends. If you want to be like Jesus, be a friend. And so that's why we say we're not just a friendly church at Kalos Church. We're a church of friends. So today we are continuing this walk through Ecclesiastes, and we're finding out where is meaning in life. Is it through possessions? Is it through education? Is it through wealth? Is it through drugs? Is it through delighting the senses? And there's a lot of things the author of Ecclesiastes is saying. This is meaningless. This is vanity. Remember the word for vanity, meaningless, that he uses 40 times in the scripture is the word hevel which literally means like vapor or smoke. It's like, hey, I thought if I got this education, my life would be happy. Then you reach for it, and it's just smoke. It's not substantial. Hey, I thought if I got really wealthy, if I could just grab this, then I'd be truly fulfilled. You try to grab it, and it's just smoke. It's empty. And that is the word Havel, smoke, vapor. And he says everything is meaningless, but then he speaks positively about relationships. Isn't that amazing? Let's read it in Ecclesiastes 4. I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. So this scripture is pretty depressing, but here's something better suited for your Pinterest board. Verse 9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. And as Jeff says, see, the Bible's not boring. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked. Ninja, attack! The live stream's going to be like, what in the world? can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. 
three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And honestly, the first part of this reminds me of the Seattle culture. I work so hard by myself, for myself. I got the job. I got the success. I got the career. I got the money. I got the house. And I still feel empty. I still feel like, why is this even worth it? There's got to be more to life. And so the author in the scripture, he echoes that. And he says, hey, it's all meaningless without relationships. You know, as I've gotten older, just being personally, I feel like I've lost some of the basic skills for making real friendships. I feel like I have to be so intentional to create warm, significant, authentic relationships. When I was a kid, it was just like, oh, you live across the street. We're automatic best friends. And now it's like, I don't know how to talk to you. The pandemic made it even worse. When we moved to Bellevue from the Midwest in the Seattle area, we heard about something called the Seattle Freeze. We didn't know how to make friends. I remember trying to meet neighbors and people at stores. Nobody really wanted to hang out with me. In fact, I, I got invited to this like marketing event. It was a networking event at a sushi restaurant. I was like, I'll go. Maybe I'll meet some new people there. I get there, and it's all these people in suits. They're just trying to make business connections. I'm trying to make friendships. And I'm like, hey, my name is Pradeepin. You want to be friends? They're like, oh, nice to meet you. I was like, can I add you on Facebook? <laughs> They're like, no, that's too soon, bro. I didn't know the etiquette of Bellevue. You're supposed to add people on LinkedIn first before you jump way into Facebook. That's too soon, too intimate. I was like, I want to join you on Facebook. Poke me. They're like, no, whoa. We just met. We just met. In fact, I was in this networking event, and I asked this guy all these questions. We're talking, hanging out. And then he says, I'm not making this up. He says, I want to stop talking to you so I can diversify my relationships here. It's like, that is the most technical way of saying, bro, I want to talk to other people. <laughs> I want to diversify my relationships at this party. <laughs> uh, I remember we would go to the parks in Bellevue, and honestly, our son, Obi, was about 11 months at the time, and I would just let him run into the park and hope a strange parent would rescue him. And then I would say, oh, thank you for rescuing my, my firstborn son. Can I repay you with a nice coffee? At this time tomorrow, they're like, no, no. <laughs> Am I alone and being alone? It's hard to make friendships, isn't it? As an adult, it's like, what do we do? Where do we start? I don't think I'm alone in being alone. In fact, I was reading some uh, agencies and their stats, specifically this agency called YouGov, that talks about how a lot of us are struggling to make friends. According to them, 27% of millennials have no close friends. And it's only getting worse. Read this. Americans are increasingly lonely people, a new study has indicated. According to the Survey Center on American Life, Americans today have fewer friends and talk to them less often than they did 30 years ago. Science suggests that the role of friends in American social life is experienced a pronounced decline, the study says. Anybody resonate with that? I mean, just being real, it's difficult. And this is bad, like the author of Ecclesiastes says, because being lonely, not having relationships, not having friends, it takes a toll on our spirits, 
on our emotions and even our, our physical bodies. Let me read some stats from the, the CDC to make you even more depressed about not having friends. Uh, social isolation, it increases your risk of premature death from all causes. <laughs> a risk that may rival those of smoking and physical inactivity. Another thing the CD says is this encouraging you this morning. Social isolation was associated with about 50% increased risk of dementia. Poor social relationships are associated with a 29% increased risk of heart disease and a 32% increased risk of stroke. Loneliness was associated with higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. Loneliness among heart failure patients was associated with nearly four times increased risk of death. 68% increased risk of hospitalization, and 57% increased risk of emergency department visits. So loneliness is not good for us. We need friends. We need connections. And this echoes what we see throughout the scriptures. You remember the first book in the Bible, Genesis? God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the skies and the seas, light, dark creates animals, creates plants and vegetation, and he calls all of those things what? He says, good. All of these things are good. From the first moment he creates Adam, he says, Adam is good. I'm encouraged that the first word God spoke over all of humanity in life was, this is good. This was created good. But then he introduces a phrase that's foreign to this whole creation story. He says, it is not good. And that's when he realizes Adam is all alone. There's no suitable companionship or fellowship for him. And so he says, this is not good that Adam is alone. And so he creates women. And I am so thankful for that. Anybody with me? I, I am just coming back to this scripture over and over again because I believe God is the true source of all life. God is the most important relationship in all of our being. And sometimes, though, I think we take it too far. We'll sing worship songs like, God, all I need is you. But there was a time before sin, before anybody had made any mistakes, and God called that union between Adam and him alone not good. Isn't that crazy? If you believe that all you need is God, you don't believe in the creation of women. Because before women existed, God said, this is not good. And all the women said, Woo. I wrote it like this. A world without women is the first time God said something is not good. Let me say that again with some enthusiasm. A world without women is, come on, a world without women is the first time God said something is not good. The first problem of humanity wasn't sin. It was solitude. And American individualism has taught us we're islands, we work by ourselves, for ourselves. If it's going to be done right, it needs to be done by me. I don't need any help. I don't need any encouragement. Man, the church is not a building. I just need to be alone with God and worship God alone, you know, like. But that's not what the scripture says. We need each other. We need friendships. We need relationships. Life without relationships is meaningless. Two is better than one. And so we really need to understand the benefits of relationships. I, I believe in this culture especially. 
because we have been uh, discipled into believing the people next to us aren't that important to our relationship with God. But you are important. You are important. And so what do friendships do for us? Well, according to Ecclesiastes, point number one, when you fall, friends help you get back up. He says it like this, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. All right, uh, Luke, can you come up here, please? I want you to show you something. Yes, let's give it up for Luke. We did not prepare this. Uh, you are going to experience some hardships in your life. I just want to be honest. You're going to experience probably a moral failure in your life. Anybody sin in this place? Not in this place specifically, but <laughs> in your life. <laughs> you will sin. You will make mistakes. Uh, but the thing is, we're going to need friends to help us get back up when we fall. We're going to need the church to help us. You know, there's some pastors I know, great people, great people of faith, great leaders, had a horrible mistake. Church abandons them. All of their ministry friends abandon them. There are some people, not because I'm great, but I've just reached out to pray for people who have prayed for so many. And even in the Seattle area, there's one specific pastor I called, and he said, you're the first person to call me. It had been four months since he had had his public failure. Isn't it amazing how quickly we just say, you don't need friendship. You just need to be alone with God. No, we need community because the scripture says that when you fall, a friend, a companion, a relationship can help you get back up, and you're going to fall. And the important thing for all of us to realize is you need to build your relationships before you need them. Because by the time you fall, it's going to take too long for someone to pick you up. But if you build those systems and structures and relationships and friendships before you need them, then someone's there to pick you up. So let me do a physical demonstration of this. Luke, I'm just going to fall backwards. And I'm just going to trust you. We've not prepped this, okay? All right? You got to let me fall a little bit, all right? Yeah. No, you, you start off right here. You start off here and you run to me. Yeah. And I'm just going to trust you, okay? Can I trust you? Can I trust you? I need to know I can trust you. Okay. I'm just choosing to trust you. All right. Can I get a countdown? Five. Four, three, two. Woo! <laughs> Friendship! You're quite a heavy man. <laughs> I'm quite a heavy man. <laughs> Friendship. Friendship. You know, you will fall. You will have struggles. You will make mistakes. But it's nice to have a Luke in your life to pick you back up. Amen? And all the Victoria said... Amen. <laughs> you know, uh, just being honest, uh, you know, a number of years ago, you guys know that Amritha and I went through a very difficult time with our family and with our, our kids. And uh, I remember during that time, I was just super depressed. I was very much in despair. And uh, one day, uh, Andrew Jennings, I don't know where he is. He's, he's with the kids. But Andrew, he, uh, he said, Pradeepin, I don't know how to help you. I don't really know how to pray for you. I don't know what to say to you, but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to come over to your house, and I'm going to make you some drinks, <laughs> and we're just going to hang out LaCroix, probably, and <laughs> he's like, and I'm just going to uh, 
listen to you and ask you some questions about how you feel. And I was in a real dark place, to be honest. I didn't really want to talk to anybody. Everything inside of me said, isolate, isolate, isolate. You're a pastor. Uh, you should be ashamed of your life, embarrassed. You should be stronger. You need to be the one to guide this person, right? But he said, I, I just want to pick you up because I know that you're down. And so I just said, okay. And so we had a really awkward conversation because I didn't want to talk. And so he just kept prying and prying and prying. Hey, Pradeep, tell me, how do you feel? I'm like, feelings? <laughs> now that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what are those? But I I'm thankful that someone was strong for me when I couldn't be strong for myself. You need a friend like that. And I want to encourage you, build your friendships before you need them. Amen? In this scripture, second thing we see in Ecclesiastes is that a friend does for us is this. When your heart grows cold, friends warm you up. Verse 11, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? You know, especially as we're living in the Seattle freeze, many of us have seen personally our hearts grow cold. We miss our family. We miss our old church friends. We miss our college friends. And we forget how to be friends and our heart grows cold. We're just familiar with being alone, binging a show, isolating ourselves, and our body starts to deceive us to say, I just prefer to be alone all the time. And it, it really is a trap because you don't know how to escape it eventually. And I'm all for alone time, and I'm all for a community time. I think there needs to be a balance. But I think, especially in the pandemic, many of us have created habits that have caused our hearts to grow cold in relationship. And I, uh, one thing that was good and bad in the pandemic is the pandemic revealed to us our real, close, important relationships. Many of us focused on our best friends. And we focused on our families. And that is great. But I think we've missed out on the power of casual friendships. We've missed out on the powerful movement of weak ties that we all need in our life. I was reading this research about weak ties and casual friendships this is so interesting. It says, close relationships were long thought to be the essential component of human social well-being. But Granovetter's research led him to a conclusion that was at the time groundbreaking and is still, to many people, counterintuitive. Casual friends and acquaintances can be as important to well-being as family, romantic partners, and your closest friends. In his initial study, for example, he found that the majority of people who got new jobs through social connections did so through people on the periphery of their lives, not close relations. And so I think loose, casual friendships, these loose, weak ties are really important for us. Uh, I know that there are some people in this room that I hardly know, but you're still important for me to thrive. Those conversations we had pre-pandemic where you just ran into someone at the gym or you had this mechanic you talked to or your coworker that you would just randomly play ping pong with. You weren't going super deep, but there were these communal strengths around you and then all those things are stripped away and it's like I've lost all my social skills with anybody who doesn't know all of my quirks. And so we focus on our family and our best friends, but all the other people were like, you're not important. And I, I, I think we need depth, but I think deep talk starts with small talk. 
And all of these loose connections are so important. You know, I was uh, reading about penguins, specifically emperor penguins. And uh, I don't know if we have a picture of this, but they're living in very cold, harsh environments. In this picture, they're living in a temperature that's about negative 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Brr, it's cold in here. I said, brr, it's cold in here. Amazing. Weird reference, but you followed me on it. <laughs> so anyways, it's negative 70 degrees Fahrenheit, and they can't survive that cold. It's actually too cold for an individual emperor penguin to survive. But what they do is they huddle together like this, and they create a temperature that makes it to 100 degrees Fahrenheit by huddling and moving. And it's not just with their best friends. It's not just with their family members. It's the whole community that keeps each other warm. I believe that Kalos Church is a group of emperor penguins. Quote me on that. <laughs> Quote me on that. I dare you. I believe Kalos Church is a group of emperor penguins. There's something that happens when we gather together that sets my heart on fire for Jesus. There's something that your praise unlocks in my spirit, and I need it. Going through the pandemic in my most difficult season of life without live worship took a massive toll on me. To this day, I'm still trying to recover from. I go to counseling, professional counseling, twice a week most weeks. And that absence of relationships and your smiles, your encouragement, your handshakes, you lifting up your hands, your prayers, your reading of Bible verses, your testimonies, it took a toll on me. But even in this last year, we've been able to worship live together. I feel my heart warming up again. I feel the cold areas of my heart coming and breaking loose and being set on fire for God. Can anybody resonate with what I'm saying? And I'm so thankful for this community. I may not be good enough to be your best friend, but I still want a relationship with you. I mean it. When the choir came up here and they're just hyping us up in worship, there's something so warm about that. There's something so alive about that. We desperately need that. How are we going to warm the Seattle freeze? Together. Penguins fly together. Penguins fly together. J just penguins fly. Penguins fly. Question mark? Do penguins fly? Penguins huddle together. Penguins huddle together. Penguins, huddle together! Penguins, huddle together! Come on! Penguins, huddle together! Come on! Penguins, huddle together! Okay. Right. I'm getting hot. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> I love... There's a quote by C.S. Lewis. He says... Is there any pleasure on earth as great as a circle of Christian friends by a fire? Warming each other up. Man, I, every Sunday, when I, when I see Sandra worship, 
it lights a fire in my soul. Honestly. She's worshiping Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time. Thank you.